Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ball knocked down by Mount, picked up by Shackelford, into Alcindor, two more for the Bruins. Cheryl Miller, beautiful 15-foot jumper. Patrick wants to go baseline, sends it inside to Miller. And Miller tries to put a little reverse in, but what a shot by Reggie Miller. Underneath, Harold driving, reverse lay in, that's it. 15 points, he's reached the 2,000 plateau. Bibby, three points, he's six of them Saturday. He continues to sizzle. But he has, has it, there it is, good time. Here's Hannah Jump, three-point specialist. And there is Sabrina Ionescu with the rebound. She has just become the first player in Division I history with 2,000 points, 1,000 assists, and 1,000 rebounds. A historic mark set by Sabrina Ionescu. Starts fading away. back into this edition of Believe in Pac-12 Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, you're home for the Conference of Champions Basketball and other sports too from the Pac-12. But Ahmad Starks and I, my co-host, uh, as we take the reins, take you through Pac-12 hoops. And uh, unfortunately, Ahmad couldn't make this. He has training, as all of you fans know out there. So, uh, But we are lucky enough to be joined by our first coach in the conference. As again, it's been a crazy summer as we all know, I'm Michael Caritzmuto, to remind you guys out there. But, uh, yeah, our first coach joining us, the Washington State head coach, Kyle Smith. And, Coach, well, last year was your first year in the conference. Well, first of all, thank you for joining us, obviously, on this episode, being our first uh, coach from the conference to do it. So you're making all the coaches, other coaches live up to a high standard. I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate you having me. But, yeah, I mean, last year, your first year in the conference, and I mean, you've uh, – your, your coaching uh, has taken you all over. I mean, San Diego, Air Force, assistant at St. Mary's, uh, Columbia, San Francisco, and now Washington State. So kind of Columbia obviously was the furthest east you went. Um, I got to ask you, though, before we start talking coaching, because I've always kidded around because my cousin played soccer at Columbia. But, you know, those Ivy League schools, it's not that other college students aren't smart, but did you ever kind of maybe encourage some of your hoops players to – instead of talking trash, just start talking like uh, organic chemistry or calculus, because just to throw the other player really off and mess with their head. You know, unfortunately, 14 of our games are against uh, equal <laughs> academic players. Not a lot of game. When you throw the organic chemistry, you'll have someone firing right back at you. But I, I legitimately, I coached her from 2010 to 2016. And I used to address the team as future leaders of the free world. And uh, I said, Yo, man, Barack was at the time. Barack was president. I said he's a he's a Columbia alum, so it's very possible. And I I always and I always gave Barack a lot of crap because he's repped Harvard. I'm like, yo, dude, you're Columbia, man. He's always repping. He went to Harvard 
law school, man. No one, no one reps their grad school, dude. It's your undergrad. So he's kind of, I always felt like he was cheating us a little bit on that, but, but it was a pretty unique situation. But that's what I said. Didn't Barack go to Harvard? But I'm like, no, he was a Columbia student. They branded it where he's at Harvard. He's a Harvard guy. He reps it. I'm like, we actually had Eric Holder come and talk to our locker room after one of our games. And we were playing, we were in, we're in contention to win the league. And I think we were playing Harvard or no, we might've lost to Harvard that night. Um, and, and I just, and he, he reps Columbia hard. He's Columbia. I said, yo, get your, your, your compadre there. Let's start repping Columbia. We're tired of hearing about Harvard. You're not a Harvard guy. You're a Columbia guy. And I know in recruiting too, I mean, for you guys, you'll take, I mean, any advantage, but just mentioning, you know, great alums and somebody they could possibly meet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. He's got to, he's got to rep the Columbia a little more. Uh, I mean, I mean, Washington State is kind of guilty of the same thing because we, we try to loop John Elway in like he grew up in Pullman. His dad coach here. The other Elway, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Was Elway, that's, that's Harvard in this situation. They're trying to glom on to our guy Barack back in the day, so. Yeah, leave it to Harvard to try and steal something. I'm with you on that, Coach. But, I mean, okay, so it's been obviously a crazy eight, seven, eight months. I know everybody kids around. I mean, March literally seems when, obviously, they shut down the tournament. Uh, well, I mean, your, your Pac-12 tournament, but then the NCAA tournament. It, it's obviously been tough. And you and coaches, I always give you guys credit. I mean, you find very creative ways, very, in, like, just amazing ways to keep your players engaged and going. With the, with the issue of the pandemic and making recruiting a little challenging too, but with your guys there, how is the offseason? How, how did you attack that? Because I know it's just another challenge, and coaches always want to solve problems and challenges and make adjustments. How did you attack that with your guys? You know, we originally we were very in touch with our guys twice a week, doing Zooms, um, trying, to take, trying to do what we could with care hours and our strength coach, and just trying to keep them plugged in. But after a while, it got to be it got to be a little tough, um, to say the least. And and I just I just and our, a big part of our program is we really try to empower our guys to uh, take initiative for themselves. We talk about we're gonna give you the first uh, key to being successful. That's discipline. That's just what we're doing. But if you really want to be good at anything, you better uh, figure out what the highest form of discipline is. That's self discipline. So putting the challenge to those guys, giving them more ownership, you know, trying to be getting FaceTime with one another when you're separated and having a distance is hard, but um, giving them more of the chores to keep the program going. I just don't think, I don't think coach sitting on the screen is, is the answer is touch base, but um, we'll see. We'll see how they've done. I think every program is kind of in the same boat where they've had to have their guys, you know, do some things like that. So I think we've been really pushing our, our leadership group and we're young, but just like, Hey man, you, you're only going to be as good as we don't know what, what the schedule is going to be. You got to be ready. Um, and just taking it day by day. And I, I think we've done a good job from what I've seen, but we're, we're still a lot of unknown. A little bit of that unknown though has kind of been answered. I know the deal that the PAC 12 obviously made um, to get testing every day from the, that company out of, uh, out of California and it's supposed to start October 1st. I know Larry Scott had announced that the other day. So when you finally start getting a calendar, like it's, there needs to be more steps taken, as you know, because the medical side of this is dictating it. But when you get a target date like that, does, did you kind of maybe feel like a, almost like a, a sigh, like a gasp from your play, like a, your team collectively, and even you as coaches, because now you finally have a target date? 
you know what? It almost uh, it kind of kickstarted us a little bit in the sense that, like, you know, we'd made you know for two weeks there we were grappling, we made the announcement, hey, we're looking at January one. Well, okay, you don't want it going too quickly if that's what it is. You thought maybe some other conferences go that direction, but now it turns out with some it's great thing with some of the medical advancements um, that we're able. It looks like you know hopefully Petro will be willing to do it too. We'll see. But if we can start then, then you're getting close to normal um, and close and we'll probably start somewhere around mid of October, mid October, which I've coached long enough. That's kind of what we used to do. We used to do that before you couldn't even, you couldn't work with the guys at all. It was just conditioning. And then you start practice October 15th. So um, just getting this season underway is going to be important to us. I think for everyone, college basketball and yeah, just a little excitement that there's actually a definitive starting place. It looks like we're getting close to that. No, that's awesome. So last year, your uh, your first season in the conference. What what was your what was your thoughts? I mean, coming into the conference, when you come into Washington State. Obviously, there's there's quite a few of uh, accomplished coaches. I know Sean Miller down at U of A has been the uh, been the longest tenured coach now in the uh, in the Pac-12. U of A, obviously, as you know, famous for that. I mean, Luke came in and <laughs> Luke didn't leave for uh, 20, 27 years. It was. Um, you're just your overall thoughts of uh, coming in. Cause I know before we started, I was talking to you about, you know, people, Oh, the PAC 12 is not that strong and, you know, comparing out of conference schedules, all that stuff, but just your overall thoughts about some of your uh, counterparts that you coach against and just playing your uh, first season of conference play. You know what? It's just an honor to be associated, like say conference of champions. Uh, you got John Wood and Lute Olson, Mike Montgomery, uh, Ralph Miller, um, George Rabling, Tony Bennett, uh, just, just really honor as a coach to be associated with and being, having this opportunity. So I was excited about that. And then, um, obviously being what you consider high major, I haven't coached the high major level. And that was the first year where, you know, pl- competed against a lot of high major teams, have wins over high major and mid major, but it's a little different uh, deal when you have to play, you know, 18, 20 conference games or it's night in, night out every weekend, um, that, so a little apprehensive or uncertain of that, but now one year in my belt, feel much better um, about it. It's still basketball, and uh, you know it's a good, really accomplished group, really respected group of coaches, um, and really competing at the highest level, which is a professional, whatever your profession is. You want one, you want to see how good you are if you're a competitor, and that's kind of where it's uh, put me and my staff, and we're hoping to get this thing back on the ground, keep working at it. Well, I mean, you say winning. I know you won uh, two, uh, what, conference championships with Columbia. And I know your first year with a winning record was the first time in over three decades that uh, a coach came in with a winning record. And, you know, again, when a new coach comes in, obviously, yes, the program wasn't doing well. And a school like Columbia, like we said, you know, the Ivy League schools, yes, they they want to win. But those students are there, as we know, for academics. You're not going to see one and duns in basketball, at least. So, when, when you say you fast forward now, I mean, when you're recruiting players, you know, to different, obviously Columbia has different standards, but coming to Washington State, not that the, I'm saying the standards are worse, but I mean, in recruiting players and, and getting them up there to, uh, to Pullman, what's the, what's the challenge in the, and the, the challenge for you in that and also the fun in that? You know, the fun is all of, all the jobs I've had, I guess I've kind of built a niche. Um, even when I went to St. Mary's as an assistant, with Randy Bennett, uh, you know, the program was two and 27 the year before he got there. So that's kind of laid the blueprint. Um, so our brand was pretty, 
devalued to say the least. And we, we turned that thing pretty quick. We went nine wins, 15 wins, 19, 25 wins, NCAA tournament in four years, which was, I call it the miracle in Moraga, which you just hard to imagine. But um, so go, going to Columbia, just really took that same blueprint. And the difference between like Columbia and Washington State, at Columbia, when we're recruiting, we sold basketball. We just sold basketball. This experienced basketball is really competed Division One. Try to play the high, play it because the kids that were recruiting, they were pretty well dialed in on the academics. <laughs> they're pretty, they're pretty well motivated. And the opposite, it's almost opposite. Washington State, Pac-12 speaks for itself. Power Five conference, most NBA players currently playing the NBA. All those are givens, and this is the experience, the college experience, academic, uh, character development. Uh, intellectual development, those, those things I think are important. And that's going to sound like it's known. The known is this Pac 12 can be in the highest level. So, but other than that, the, the, it sounds crazy, but the, everything else is just having a great attitude, working hard. And most important thing is um, making the big time where you're at, finding guys that really, uh, in each place I've coached, that's been pretty unique and appreciating the uniqueness of each situation and, and embracing it. There's so much to learn and appreciate it, be grateful for the opportunity and that that's been able to that's been kind of the key to our success at those those certain stops yeah i was going to say columbia because you know you're going after kids are applying there if they don't obviously have the you know columbia stanford duke harvard yeah, if they're applying it doesn't matter they ain't get in so <laughs> right absolutely um when you look at now maybe you said okay so you you have you have a set date you said don't want to get with the guys too early but What's that balance too? Because obviously as competitors, they like getting in the gym in the late summer and the early fall, obviously, but they're just itching and itching to get in. How's that challenging as a coach for, like you said, your young guys to, to not that you're keeping them out of the gym, but just to kind of keep them like, Hey, we can't peak too early here. You know what? It's, it's kind of silly because some of the bureaucrats in charge of when they can work in the gym and what, you know, obviously dealing with COVID, but you're naive to think our guys aren't going to find places to play and work out at this level. I mean, it's, it's no different than um, a concert pianist is you're going to tell them up. Oh, we can't go. You can't show up and work in the whatever studio. Well, they're going to find a place to find a piano and do it. It's the same idea. That's um, so they're, they're, they're chomping at the bit. They've been working and the part that we bring is put them together and building a team culture and doing that stuff. And, um, and I think you've got to be a little careful. They've been haven't really been together for so long and just in the, the rhythm of working and not get hurt early, I think is a little bit, even though they'll be in pretty good shape. They're just different when you're working as a team. So we've got to be cautious of that. I think everyone, coaches and players will be really anxious and, and you know, and probably bite off more than you can chew early. So we've got to be careful about that um, um, and, and try to time that out and figure it out. And talk to me about your team. I mean, again, I saw that, yes, you have – Quite a few freshmen, you guys are younger, but from year one to year two, for you as a coach, what's one of the things that you look for your teams to take, to like to take a jump and improve in is because obviously they have to adapt to you. You come in, every coach is always behind the eight ball in recruiting coming to a new spot. So you have the players you have, maybe you bring one or two guys in, but now that they've been with you for a year and these younger guys, what are, what, what are the jumps you're looking to see from them? Well, just going back to is only about about 16 months ago when I had three guys in the program. And so it was, we feel, I feel like we've signed three recruiting classes in the last two years, but our goals were pretty simple. 
and we came in, the program was ranked 205th in the country out of 351, which, you know, we didn't think in order to get more competitive, I think we took it to one, 115 and that's in the net rating. And that's a pretty good jump. It's a healthy jump, and, but it's probably the easiest jump to go 205 to 115. The next jump is to try to get, you know, top, top 60. Um, can we do it in a year? Oh, you get in that top 60, top 50. Now you're in conversation for at large births, et cetera, which you're in pack 12. You need to be, we need to get in that conversation, but um, we can't, but we did really, only three things we emphasized on the court were defending, rebounding, ball handling. Just like so you got to be good in those areas. The non-negotiables, if you want to be competitive every night and our thought our guys made some really impressive jumps there. Um, and, and I think we'll have eight guys returning from the program. So that's a good, nucleus to start with and a lot of them contribute different ways and those eight guys have to sustain that that effort that what it takes in practice and they should improve sustain and improve in those areas and then we have to become better offensively we just got to be more efficient um which uh i think that's attainable even though we lost cj ellaby uh, who we'll miss oh. <laughs> we'll miss no doubt I'm sorry, I I I chuckled, I chuckled like that because uh, I know when he came to uh, seeing him play in Tampa B a few times, and there was one night that he was just draining threes, and he hit one from the uh, from the Sparky thing like it was nothing, like he barely stepped on it. And but I mean, I know he did that his career, and it, yeah, that, sorry. So I wasn't laughing at him, Coach. I just I know what you're saying because it's a tough, it's a big, it's a big miss. No, it was a chuckle like, oh, coach, you're in trouble. I could tell. No, no, no. no. I mean, he was, a, he was a phenomenal player. And, I, again, hey, now you got him talking for the program. That helps, uh, that helps boost recruiting too. No, he's great. It's all good. But um, it knows it's going to be – and I just think we'll uh, – like I said, we have – so only, at one point we only had three guys in the program from the previous – we had a couple that came, came back. And so I think we're down to only – Two of them graduated. I think really Jazz Kuntz is really the only guy remaining from two years ago. Um, I could be wrong. I think it sounds right. So we're really kind of year one-ish uh, all over again. But And I think offensively we'll be able to um, – that's a big chore. Is we're going to have to use our offense more to get baskets and to find ways to score. Is It's going to have to work out a little harder and become more efficient. We are a little reliant on – CJ's ability to create a basket in Isaac Bonton. Um, and we're just a little shorthanded there, but so we'll need some, some old, some guys returning step up and some new guys, I think are pretty talented and going to have to contribute as young guys. Now I know as a coach too, in recruiting, I mean, you want to keep the best, the top local talent, obviously home, obviously Washington's competing to do the same thing too, but but the game has changed, and I know a lot of a lot of teams, and including you too. I mean, a lot of international flavor. Years back, I mean, it used to be tough enough just recruiting within the U.S. Yeah. Now you have to expect you teams are expanding their horizons. How how um how interesting has that been for you? Because now you're trying to get to mesh a completely you know unique group and stuff like that. So with the I mean, even with the international inflection in the game, how much of um. How much of a challenge is that for you guys as a staff? Well, I, I think it's a strength of ours. Going back to I talked about starting at St. Mary's, we're we're in the Bay Area there, and our name was Mud. So just recruit, <laughs> recruiting local guys, the guys we could attract weren't going to be talented enough. So we started going overseas. We originally went to France and Australia, 
and obviously that program took off. Then I was in Columbia and New York, very international cosmopolitan place. And we had Germans, Canadians, and same thing in San Francisco. So kind of been recruiting since a head coach really, and going back to St. Mary's, really the global perspective, um, which we kind of had our own way way to ourselves. There, we weren't that many people out there, but now the world's got so I'm like, I'm looking at Arizona. I'm like, we're bumping in Arizona. I'm like, dude, you guys are supposed to recruit in McDonald's guys in America. What are you doing over here? They brought in like five international guys and guys that were recruiting. And I'm like, we don't need that. Cal's always going to be there. You know, there's just a lot of – so navigating the globe, and it's it's definitely a global game. I think you can feel that influence. And, and I think we have to be here, um, you know, going back to when Tony Bennett was really successful. He had Aaron Gaines, Brock Modem, um, some others I can't think of right now. But uh, Kapricheva – or Kopravica, I can't remember his name, but um, and I just think we just we don't have a huge population to draw from. Period. End of story. There's just <laughs> we have, we'll have thirty thousand people and twenty thousand of them are students. And you know, going up to Spokane, there's a pretty good program up there. So just not as many people there. So we have to do our our part and, and really you know search the globe a little bit. Oh yeah, that's right. Because I. Yeah, I was just thinking of you in like Washington and Washington State, but Gonzaga's right there too, and with the power that they are. So now you guys, I mean, local talent-wise, I mean, you're all – and for the kids, I mean, it kind of gets, puts the literally the ball in their court because now there's three places that it's like, well, let's see who has the best offer and, and go from there. Yeah, two Pac-12 programs, one that's recently won Pac-12, and then you got a team that's been consistently number one in the country. So there's good players per capita up here, but I don't know if there's enough to fill – uh, just those programs in the state to be as competitive as they've been. So everyone's looking and then not to mention Oregon, Oregon state aren't too far away either. Right. Of course. And then when, when you talk about, you know, like you said, your time at Columbia and even, you know, you said San Francisco and St. Mary's getting international guys, but even now, even for recruiting in the States, I mean, when you have roots back there, it's kind of, and you know, the landscape and, you know, AAU coaches, high school coaches, I mean, it's kind of, I don't want to say easy because it's competition, but for you to, to have those connections back there and pluck and drag somebody across the country, is it a, at least a little bit easier for you in that aspect? Well, I just say some AU coaches that I was always at odds with at those other programs because I couldn't quite get over the hump with them, they like me more. <laughs> they like us more now. They're Pac-12, there's a little more – you could definitely say like they're they're really warmed up to us more, and and that's just the same reason why I'm here. Is it like I said, it's the best best conference west of the Mississippi, you know, one of the best in the country. Last year's I think fourth in the country, um, and it can only be better. I mean, we there's so many NBA talents rolling through here, um, so I think that's the big sell. And I do think like yeah, do I coach? I grew up in Texas. People don't even know that. Professionally, don't even know that. But having guys that uh, I grew up with, they're really successful. Then trying to help us, uh, you know, I, I giggle because I go like, yeah, my guy really wants to go to the West Coast. I'm like, how about Western United States? I can't quite call Pullman the West Coast. <laughs> we're more we're more the start of the Midwest. I, I don't want to. I'm worried they'll think they're going to see uh, Puget Sound when they land here. I was like, not exactly. So. But it is helpful. Just just been doing it for 27 years, too. Right. And that's what I was going to say. I mean, your time and the relationships you've built, I mean, no matter where you go, it's huge. What about when you look at, you know, I mean, the Pac-12 and himself, like you said, you mentioned Lou Olson and what he did. I mean, he he kind of 
yes, I mean, Sean Wooden, because Vamad and I actually did our uh, top 12 coaches of all time, and I said we should just call it 11 because there's no way you can't – if you know anything about the history, you can't not put John Wooden number one. No doubt. You can argue men's and women's side. I mean, Tara Vanderveer, like you're saying at Stanford, I mean, on the women's side, I mean, her coaching tree is, is just getting as long as John Wooden's and the amount that she's won, especially in a time where women's basketball wasn't looked to, you know – obviously produce a lot of, you know, they didn't have obviously the WNBA, but I mean, what she's done win wise, I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, and, but yeah, John Wooden, I mean, what he did, the players he produced and you just look at those lineups and it's like, how did they ever like lose a game is, is what, anytime they lost, I know it was news, but when you look at that um, and like I said, Lute Olson with the guards, I mean, this has been a guard dominated conference and I know what the game going to, three-pointers, and I'll get to that with you in a second. But uh, but when you look at the guards, I mean, even like I said from, you know, UCLA, Arizona, I know Bobby Hurley at ASU has kind of done that. Stanford's had their share. Obviously, USC, Utah and Colorado have kind of come into the conference as a, when it extended to the Pac-12 and gotten on board with that. But there's been talented players at all positions, I can say, but the guards alone through this conference, like you say, the coaches, is that something that kind of, kind of raised your eyebrow when the opportunity for Washington State came up? Uh, you know what? It was – I just think you watch this state, you're probably going to have to do things differently a little bit. And like I said, I've been up for those challenges wherever then I've – and I've always had coached really good guards too. I think that the cliche is true. You win with guards. And I, now they used to say the NBA went bigs, but if you watch the NBA lately, their, their, their game has altered and changed. I think a lot of that – the three-point line and the way they officiate the game has changed the way that this game. And, and we're usually uh, – College basketball is going to mirror that in Pac-12 will. We've got a lot of guys that want to play in the NBA. Um, and, and our philosophy is just we've got to recruit the best talent we can get and try to make it work that way. If it's And there are – I think we do we've, – we've gotten where we have high major size. Actually, this league still plays pretty big, or at least they did last year. Seven, 17, like Arizona plays big. UCLA plays big. SC plays big. Um, Washington plays big. So there's a lot – it's a little – I don't know if we're going to – someone will probably probably I mean, Oregon plays a little differently, but there might be someone that'll play more like the NBA teams are playing now and change things a little bit. I think we'll probably the next three to five years, we'll usually a little lag time. We'll, we'll start looking like them as well. All right. So I don't want to have you pick on your players, but as a coach, how much does it drive you crazy? Cause I say, if I was coaching, I would flip when a guy gets into the lane, has the finger roll right there and then see somebody at the three point line and he's a foot away from the basket and he chucks it out to the three point line. Yes, everybody gets the analytics. Three's worth more than two. But as a coach, does it just kind of drive – even if the shot's made, does it just drive you crazy just a little bit? I, I, would, I would like to say it does, yes. But I might be one of the guys that contributed to that because we're – I mean, I think every, every stop I've had along the way, we've, we've started setting school records and three points attempted. So uh, whether it's Columbia, San Francisco, we were a little behind last year just with our personnel, so – um, I might be, but we emphasize, you know, we like layups, we like foul shots, but when you're starting encouraging the kickouts and being on self threes, they, they kind of get, they kind of fall in love with it. Even how it's the NBA, Luka Doncic and Harden turn them down all the time. And I'm watching the games like what? And, uh, it gets a little silly and it's even sillier. I think this is the way it's officiated though. You'll see bigs get the ball six feet away and they'll be, they'll wall up with the bodies. And they won't call a foul. They, they let you play more physical around the rim. So they'll kick out all the time when you're like, the guy who gets an offensive rebound should always 
a bigger guy like Anthony Davis. I saw him turn one down over Eric Gordon the other night. Like he turned down a turnaround over his right shoulder because he's about six feet away and he spotted someone in the corner. I'm like, now we're a little backwards, man. Anthony Davis should be, and it's like he's being physical with that love. Like you should just be able to draw a foul or just, you know, it should be a 65 or 70, should be an 80% shot just to drop it in over him. But he, he turned that down for a corner three and I'm like, this has, to me, I agree with you. It's like, but I, I really think it's the way the game's officiated. They let you put your hands on them in the post. They let you be physical, keep it out of the post, but they don't let you touch them on the perimeter. So what I was like, you might as well drive it in there. They're not going to let you, you know, so you, that's why there's more guards and guys that can penetrate are invaluable because you can't put the hands on the ball handler anymore, but you can put the hands on a post player. It's weird. I just think it's funny that James Harden's been in the league, what, nine, nine plus years and people still force him to his left when he's left-handed. They do everything. They, they run them into the rim. They try everything. The guy's impossible to guard, really. Lou Dort, your guy, your Sun Devil, he he locked him up. Did a good job. Oh man, that was that was a heart wrenching battle for me, Coach. I mean, just as a fan, as an alum and as a fan, seeing them both. But I mean, what what Harden has done, and I mean, it's you know, you're right. Going small, like you said, Anthony Davis. Seeing that I, I, as a coach, I mean, I'm just. I'm I'm handing it to my six ten six eleven guy every time, saying you could you could score hundred you could score all hundred points. That might it, you might be outdated. It may not the analytics may say the NBA guys even gone there. They Aaron Baines started shooting threes. I mean, <laughs> Aaron Baines was a he was a two foot in guy, man. He was he had elbow range dunks and keep to adjust and this you know stay relevant and earn a living and. He, he's, he had to step it out where he's making three. So it's, it's just the game's changed for sure. Well, you said you change it, but I, I, I looked you up. I know coaches always love to deflect, but as a player, I mean, you were, you were crushing it from the three-point line, 51.3% when you played. I mean, you still have the school record. I mean, 50% from inside the three-point arc is a phenomenal season, as you know, coach, for any player. And you're doing it from outside the arc. I would I would love to say I'm the humble bumble guy, but I, I honestly I did have two I had three All American post players. There was there wasn't a lot of heat on me out there shooting, but it was a different game. We really were we, we had really good post players, and I that was in about two attempts a game. I didn't shoot a lot of them. So, but uh, obviously they're early on as far as the equalizer, especially when you're in a under talented historically under talented program. It's the way to equalizer. You can you can become more skilled. You can shoot. You can uh, manipulate that part and and I've been there in every league I've coached in like the Ivy League that's how we we gain momentum on some teams but even the top of the league they were still the big physical guys they're hard to night in night out back to back time to do that same with the West Coast Conference Gonzaga St. Mary's BYU big and same with this league so um, it hasn't broken through and same thing I think the Lakers are probably the best team <laughs> they got they're big they're really big and, and the Rockets and the teams that are trying to play small. They can take it so far, but we'll see what they can do if they can get, but Villanova, the college level, they figured it out and smacked two national championships. And oftentimes out there with six, seven and under lineups and interchangeable guys, very NBA like. So there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. Oh, absolutely. And two last things for, I mean, going from college, like you mentioned the NBA, but the coach going from college to pro, I mean, is that, is that something that in the future, I'm not trying to take you away from Washington State, so I don't want Washington State fans to hit me up on Twitter and say I'm an evil person, Coach, because I'm not. But I'm just saying, is that something that 
you know, you've been in the college game for so long, you get into a rhythm, you love it, you understand the recruiting, but is, that, is going to the NBA something that, you know, you as a coach want to take the jump? And how tough is that jump in general from what you've heard from your counterparts? Well, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of questions there. Let me unpack it. First of all, I've always, I love the college level because you, I feel like you have, the reason it got me into coaching was to impact young people. Uh, I really wanted to be a high school coach and teacher coming out, and, and maybe someday I will. But uh, that being said, no one's ever asked me to coach the NBA. <laughs> and, and I'd say it would be hard to say no if they did. Uh, but uh, I think the adjustment, like, the, I have no idea as far as what I – they say, like, whether it's Billy Donovan, Brett Stevens, those guys. I do think it's just basketball. And as a college coach, which excites me, is, like, really a head coach, we're – we're both general manager and coach. We're in charge of our uh, talent acquisition. We have other guys recruiting, but we're involved. And it's on me. Why well, I tell our staff all the time, like, I don't like it. Hey, this guy's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, we all decided that this guy's going to help us and stay with them, work with them. And if they, if they don't make it, it's on me. So it's a little bit, um, you know, like the Pistons tried to do a Sam Van Gundy where he was a GM and coach and didn't make it. But you'd always think you've got to be in lockstep with them. And that's what I like about the college game. But then I also think COVID, the one thing, you know, I've been coaching, I think, 27 years. And you get about two two-day weekends a year when you're a college coach because there's always something going on. I didn't think I'd enjoy retirement, but they don't let us recruit. They don't let us coach. you got to do social distancing. So I'm better at golf. <laughs> Played some tennis. And it's like – I see these NBA guys. I know the basketball grinds hard during the season, but they do get a few months off. But um, and actually, the time spent with my family and that stuff. So it's like I don't think the NBA helps you there on the family time because there's still locked season. But a lot of stuff going on. But that NBA, I think it, there's definitely. I think the NBA guys, when they hire a college coach, they should they should study the game up from the bench. Like I know, like Kelvin Sampson's a guy that was an assistant in the NBA. I bet he'd probably be more suited to make that bump now. And he's done really well at Houston. Um, and Billy Donovan, so there's a learning curve. He did it, and Brad Stevens. These things have picked up pretty well. But uh, I just think the games—it's a different game. It's faster pace, different, and it's different. You have to have the right ego. Obviously, you're you're not revered or looked at the same way from the high school and college guys. Um, so you have to be able to, um, I guess, you know, you got to be able to figure out how you're going to motivate guys. It's going to be different, but they seem to have managed. There's been some good ones. Oh, absolutely. And then what about your, your team this year? I mean, what, who's the guy? And then you talked, we mentioned about guys that, you know, weren't, weren't, weren't coming back, but who's, uh, when you look at it, who's, who, who, do you, who are you looking at to step up? Who's kind of taking, you know, maybe that leadership role, like you said, cause you came in with three guys in the program and now you have eight at least coming back this season, but who's the, who's the guy or guys that are, that are stepping up? I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would anticipate – no, I think Isaac Bonton's doing really well where he's in his mental space. He's just off the court. He's just, like, really grown as a, as a student, um, taking that stuff seriously, his leadership, being responsible, making that adjustment from junior college to, to Division One's hard enough, and junior college and Pac-12 is really hard. And this is the first time he's going to be at um, the same school for two years in a row. You know, he started off in Montana State, went to junior college – and I think that's really helpful. He has a, you know, a blueprint what to expect. Um, and I think he'll do really well. Noah Williams, another guy that played a lot of minutes as a freshman. 
um, has a is really one of our uh, on the court very has a really competitive thirst. I mean, he really he leads us that way. He'll do really well. Tony Miller, a guy that if he can stay healthy, he'll. I mean, he just couldn't stay healthy last year when he was healthy. He would have been he would have been our third leading scorer or one of our top three. And in, in, I expecting him to be him and Isaac probably going to take some of that scoring load. Uh, and there, Jazz Koontz is another guy that I think he. Uh, lost some minutes down the stretch in second half of Pac-12, but he's only going to be a junior, got a lot of experience, great. He's kind of embodies what we talked about, having a great work ethic, great attitude, um, and I think he's just going to help the maturity. Again, the leadership piece just works too hard not to help us. And then a guy like – and then we had some really good uh, – our big young center had some good moments that didn't, like against Arizona State, had a double-double, Vova, Mark Ovetsky, and, and – uh, we were good. We were a pretty good team that, you know, we beat a good Colorado team when we were playing big with them. And, you know, we're about to face your Sun Devils the next night. And we'd have loved to see where we're at. And we would have played postseason of some, some sort. Um, and we kind of got cheated a little bit because I think that would have helped uh, that group. So I think that, that kind of nucleus and with some other guys too, that like DJ Rodman was in it, you know, I think he can make another little step too. But, that's if we're going to be a good program. Those guys that played for us last year got to make that jump because you know everyone wants to talk about our incoming class and they're they're you know it's the highest ranked class we've had and all that. They're just freshmen, and I'm caring about. I can't, my biggest concern is how they perform academically and socially. Um, if they're good and they take care of those two areas and they're it gets down to the basketball, they'll be fine and they'll help. But. Uh, I just think it's what I know. I've been doing 27 years. There's something about the college experience, building the program, building the team. And it is this journey from adolescence to young adulthood. And I want to make sure we got them in the right direction and not put too much on their plate as freshmen. But we really like them. We're really excited about them. And um, I think them blending in with this group, will, we should be young, but probably a little more talented, even with the loss of CJ. But uh, the youth will be the trick. Lastly, I mean, was coaching something that – you always wanted to do. I mean, you, your playing days, because you know players always say, "Oh, coach is on me." He doesn't get this. And as players, of course, we like to complain a little bit, even though years later, or even you know a week later, we can admit, "Yeah, coach, coach obviously knew what he was talking about. He was right, even though it's hard for an athlete to admit because you've been on both sides, as you know." But is coaching something that you definitely wanted to get into? You know what? I I kind of in ninth grade, I made it. I kind of, I think I told my dad too. I said, I really had a, somehow I knew I had a really good high school coach, Rick Shirley, won over 800 games. He's the president of Texas Association of Basketball Coaches. Probably my biggest influence in a lot of ways, especially professionally. So I kind of knew in ninth grade, is that or be a stockbroker? My dad was a stockbroker. So, and I, I don't ask you why, but I, I stayed, the, and smartly, I stayed this course. Um, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's unique, it's more of a vocation. Or whatever, I don't think it's necessarily. Uh, it's not something you take lighthearted. It's just it's too much, too demanding. And um, I kind of always thought I wanted to do it, and was lucky enough to get that opportunity. But what you exactly what you said? I so my first year I was a graduate manager at University of San Diego. So I don't even know if that counts as coaching. Is very humbling. As coaching will, I I thought I knew everything as a player, and then each year I do this, I think I know less. Uh, you 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 humble yourself, and I literally I did pick up the phone. I think I want to say December, my first year, and I called my college coach and I just apologized. I said, I'm sorry, man. This is this is a lot harder than it ever would be. 
and just the time demands, everything. What you don't realize as a player the preparation, you sh- and you shouldn't. You're just 18, 19, you just want to play, and you know it's three hours of your day getting down there and practice, and then you leave it behind. But coaches don't, um, and there's a lot that goes into it. So I, I still remember that. That it's just a very humbling experience, and, and the, I think the longer you, the guys that think that that say they got all the answers and know all that, they don't last long. <laughs> I never saw Lou Olson run around saying he had all the answers. He just kind of smiled and went to the tournament 24 straight years. And now we know how hard those things are. Mike Montgomery, you know, those guys are just, you know, I know those guys that I, as I was coming up watching how successful they were. And, and uh, now that I'm actually coaching in that conference, you know, I got to pinch myself a little bit, but also realize you better, better get with it too. You don't, you don't get to stay around forever. So keep working at it. And we can talk about that. Another, I have my issues with that, the hiring and firing so quick and fast, especially in, in college. I understand it is about winning, but at the same time, like if you don't give somebody time, they're not going to be able to lay any foundation. So, but coach, I know you got to get running, but Hey, I'm glad you were our first guest, our first ball, well, our second guest actually, but our first coach of the conference. So like I said, all the other coaches, coach Smith firing the shot, you know, you got to come join them here and uh, believe in Pac-12 basketball, but no, Hey, well, obviously, uh, I'd love to obviously catch up more as the season comes in. And uh, like I had uh, mentioned to Ben, your phenomenal SID that we'll get players on too, because we're all about pumping the conference. And um, I'm going to say this to you live on air, even as a Sun Devil alum, we will also pump U of A and Arizona. I've said nice things about them. So, you know, that'd be like your guy saying nice things about you, Dub. Don't expect it too much. But, uh, but no, but in all, in all, in all seriousness, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on. I look forward to uh, obviously catching up to you more as the season gets closer. And hopefully uh, I know as time gets tighter and we can work something out, something uh, in season as well. Great. I appreciate it. It's been a great time. Well, that was Kyle Smith. We're going to get out of here again. Subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Believe in Pac-12 basketball, B-L-E-A-V, if you're looking it up. Um, I'm Michael Carasino. Hit me up on Twitter at Diablo00. You want to have questions in the future for us, for the coaches, let us know. Put it on Twitter. As long as they're nice, we'll ask them. But uh, but yeah, hit me up on Twitter at Diablo00. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're going to get out of here, and we'll see everybody next week here on Believe in Pac-12 Basketball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.